Soon, the galaxy will be remade. The Jedi and the Republic will die. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Great care we must take. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? We were trained to be keepers of the peace. Not soldiers. We clowns have mixed feelings about the war. Without it, we wouldn't exist. All part of the plan. The plan. Everything is about to change. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. We're broadcasting live right here on channel... 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play and StarWarsUnderworld.com. And uh, yeah, speaking of Star Wars, it's back, guys. The Clone Wars is back. You know how much we love this show. We, You know Star Wars The Clone Wars has been a vital part of the IPC since literally the beginning. And uh, there's a brand new season out right now. Just wrapped the first four episodes of the seventh season, and uh, we're going to be talking about it tonight. The first four episodes are the Bad Batch arc, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. But before we do that, introductions are in order. If you are new to the program, my name is Ben, and joining me, he wasn't here last week, but... So I can't really say he's always here, but he's here most of the time, almost always. It's my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. How's it going, man? 
Dude, I'm excited to be on this episode. I missed you all last week, and uh, I'm getting ready to take a, a short break, uh, but I'm glad to be here for this one because this is one, like you said, that has been much anticipated and is basically woven into the very fabric of this podcast. You know, mm -hmm. one of the very first episodes that we ever did of IPC, if you go back and listen to like the first 10 episodes that we did, several of them were reviews of the first few seasons of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Heck yeah. And so it's really, really exciting to have that show back in the fabric of what we're doing, to have it become a part of this podcast again. And to have new episodes to discuss is really exciting. Like, I know that the guys over at the Clone Wars Strikes Back are excited. And I know that you guys over at SWU are excited for more Star Wars content to talk about. Finally, a little bit of a respite, uh, Rise of Skywalker discussions. But, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just a very exciting time because it's got uh, uh, some some old mixed in with some new. It's got some stuff that's familiar from the story reels mixed in with some, some new revisions and some new content. And it's going to be cool to, to talk about all of that tonight. We're like you said, discussing the first four episodes that are all in sequence, the bad batch arc, uh, that last episode dropped on Disney plus earlier today, March the 13th. And, uh, we're going to be breaking it all down, but interestingly enough, you and I are not going to be alone no. for this discussion. It's my great honor and my great pleasure to announce that back from an extended Christmas vacation and doing his very best to survive Corona 2020, it's the third member of our team back from the dead. It's Mr. Jake Damon. Hey, everybody. How is it going? I'm so happy to be back. I, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, and I'll, I'll be frank, you know, I, I, I Jake. <laughs> okay that that was uh stupid and funny but uh i'll let it slide um i uh i will be candid and you know because I've, I've already had a few people ask what's been going on and um i at the beginning of the year i had an unfortunate uh incident that I mean, it was it was stupidity on my part but i i lost my job because of it and basically i I, I drive for uh, I drove for my old job and I got uh, pretty hammered the night before and I went in and uh, I didn't I, I didn't drive thankfully but after after I had gone in I like loaded up my van to take it out and I I was straight with my boss and I was like hey I, I can't drive today because I'm still a little intoxicated and he was like I'm sorry we gotta let you go and uh, wow. I'm like okay that's fine I'll, I'll take that and I, I learned a lesson and i i was really down about it uh very depressed and i i really needed a mental health break and i just feel a lot better than i was feeling back then and um and i just i needed a couple months to to rethink some things and i i do have a new job i'm starting monday and things are looking up and i'm feeling good i'm being active getting exercise i'm really trying to take care of myself so uh i am super happy to be back i think this will be good for me and i just i love talking about stuff with you guys and i really missed it so thanks for having me dude the door was always open and more than anything we're just glad that you're doing well like thank you like that that's always been the priority and that's why we never tried to pressure you to come back but always wanted to keep you in the loop on things and let you know what was going on and 
Uh, you let us know what was going on from time to time, just checking in with us periodically. So I feel like that was, I think that was healthy on all fronts. Like mm -hmm. we weren't trying to press you and you weren't trying to rush back into things. Of all the discussions for you to come back, I think this one is a great one. Like, oh, for sure. I, no, no, I, no, no offense meant to any of our previous discussions that you missed, but I feel like, like we were talking at the top of the program, the Clone Wars is something that basically brought all three of us together as friends in the first place. Yep, and sure. now here we are, we get to, to talk about them on the podcast together, which is so cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I was going to say, I, I think we were at, um, uh, Ben and I, uh, went to a Star Wars celebration. I can't remember which celebration it was. I want to say it was, uh, I, I can't Orlando, remember. Maybe. Yeah, probably the one where they showed the test footage for the bad batch arc. Um, yes. yeah. And I, I remember sitting in the room with you, uh, and the other guys from the Star Wars underworld and, and watching that and just thinking, man, this would be so cool to see as a finished uh, arc and we finally got that so I'm I'm super excited to finally talk about it yeah exactly it's been a long time coming and, I, and you, you just reminded me that was Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in oh, 2015 really? way wow. back in 2015 when Force Awakens was coming around at that point and uh, the Clone Wars was on its way out at that point The I think the last Clone Wars panel that we, we thought we'd get was that panel and wow. uh, I remember seeing that was one of the best experiences I had at Celebration was watching yep. those, you know, unfinished story reels and stuff we thought we'd never get to see finished. And yet here we are watching the Bad Batch arc um, in its entirety, in full, on Disney Plus, fully animated. And I am beyond thrilled to not only have you back, but have the Clone Wars back. Yes. That's I can't believe that was half a decade ago, by the way. <laughs> that is <laughs> crazy. Say, that's so crazy that... Something that you guys watched in its unfinished form five years ago is taking shape and taking form now on a, on yeah. a completely new streaming service, completely new format. Like, it's very surreal to think about what a difference that five years can make. It's it's insane. It really is insane. And like I said, hell, five years ago, I was still in community college. <laughs> yeah. So no, much has changed. No, I, no, I take that back. I had just started my, my four-year school. Like, uh, 20, 2015 was when I started. I graduated fall of 2014 from community college, and then 2015 was when I started at the four-year school. But wow. I mean, still, perspective, just a little bit. That's that's the kind of difference that five years makes, because now I'm not even at that school. I'm doing grad school online, which I'm super stoked about, by the way. That like, is awesome. My, my book came in the mail and even though the entire thing cost me like almost two grand for the tuition and the and the technology and crap like that um i'm i'm excited to start a new chapter and we get a new chapter of the clone Wars, so it's like everything's kind of turning a page this week and that's that's exciting to talk about yeah but let's go ahead and talk about the actual episodes because you know if, if anybody's been watching on disney plus for the last month obviously one episode at a time only probably like between 22 and 25 minutes in length like it's it's basically the standard length of a clone wars episode there's no extended edition for disney plus it's whatever they originally made for television just on a streaming service now so that was interesting having one episode that was like 21 minutes long and another one that was like 25 but all in all when you watch them consecutively it feels like you're watching like 
uh, an, an extended episode because they play one right after the other, obviously. Right. And that was what I did this afternoon. And I got to tell you, watching all of them back to back to back to back was probably, in my opinion, more exciting than watching them individually. I enjoyed watching them individually, but seeing the completion of the story all in one sit was very satisfying. I think these arcs, a lot of these arcs, I think even the Bad Batch arcs, play way better when you watch them all together. I think they mm. play like films. I think the the Umbara arc, which is kind of yes, the bastion that was of... My, that was my next thought, was the Umbara arc. Yeah, mm. it's kind of the bastion of like the best arc of the Clone Wars that everyone loves. It plays well as a movie. I remember watching it week to week when it was released. It was not the best experience because people were not happy. They were like, when's Krell going to do something? He's just standing <laughs> around, all this kind of stuff. You don't have that when you just watch him back to back within a, you know an hour and a half span and you're getting the f- complete story. And you know I can't wait to actually do that with this one because I kind of watched a couple the, earlier in this week and then I watched a couple more. Uh, and of course I watched the, the new uh, episode earlier this afternoon. But uh, because it literally came out, we're one of the first podcasts to talk about it, by the way. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Unfinished Business was the episode that came out t- today or last night, uh, 3 a.m., I think, at least my time. <laughs> so um, it's uh, been thing. And then we got more episodes to come. We've got, you know, two more arcs full. Uh, we got the Ahsoka's Walkabout and then the Siege of Mandalore, which we will also be reviewing later on when those are finished. So be on the lookout for those in your feeds over the next few weeks. We're talking about Bad Batch, and there's a lot of good stuff in here. A lot of good stuff, and I want to get your thoughts, Jake, in regards to just kind of the overall impressions of this return of the Clone Wars, and especially this Bad Batch arc. Well, like like you said before, I mean, this show is, I mean, a huge reason why we even know each other. And so it was, yeah. I don't know, it was pretty emotional, very nostalgic for me to to just start watching new clone wars it was like it transported me back to my childhood and it was so great Great. it was like it had never left um oh i'm sorry i'm hearing a little uh echo um yeah we're all hearing a little echo that's kind of the point of the whole arc isn't it i feel like this episode wouldn't be complete without a little echo don't you Mm. don't you know what i'm saying yeah um but yeah it, it felt like we were just picking up uh like right where we left off and it was uh just really cool and um it was exciting it was uh fun um i i followed the story really well like there was nothing too uh too complicated about it there was nothing too like it, it didn't seem to jump around too much like i i think that that's something the clone wars always did great is that on a on a an arc they would just focus on you know the story they were trying to tell and and it was uh it was just a nice story to follow. And I felt the same way with this. And it was really cool to have four episodes dedicated to the bad batch who, you know, we've heard about for so long and uh, finally get to see them in action and see all their different personalities, how they work together, how, uh, how each of them has their own strength and weakness in a lot of cases. Um, And, you know, we'll get into it, but so cool to see echo again. And, uh, what he ends up doing um and you know how he ends up as a character basically but 
and I, I got to mention, it's cool to see updated designs on things because it yeah. has been, you know, several years since the Clone Wars was on air. So they've had time to uh, fix things that maybe weren't as as uh, as uh, spit and polish as it could have been back in the day. And, um, you know, the updated designs and uh, uh, things that make it seem like we're closer to to revenge of the sith now and uh things like that just little touches like that made this so much fun to watch and i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah i absolutely agree and this thing as as we're saying like i think it plays well as an arc and it also just plays well as a focus on these characters very clone focused which i think is some of the best stuff in clone wars is the clones which it, it seems weird to say that but at the same time it's not. It really is. I think the Clone Wars established itself as putting a lot of focus on the clones, and uh, these episodes continue that. But, uh, Zach, overall impressions on these four new episodes? Well, first and foremost, I think major, <laughs> major props need to be given to D. Bradley Baker. Oh, yeah. The man basically voiced this entire arc. Like... If you think about it, you had um, you had Mace Windu in there for an episode. You had Obi Wan in there for like an episode, and then Matt Lanter chimes in every now and then with Anakin. But pretty much everything else, it's the Bad Batch, Rex, Cody, Jesse, like just about everybody is from D's voice, yeah. and that's just amazing to think about how he's able to put just a little bit of a different inflection on each one, how he's able to give each one a little bit of a personality and an accent or what happened and just create something completely new. And that was the thing that was most impressive to me was just the, the voice talent, the, the work uh, behind it, the music, the sound editing, like we've got new blaster sounds guys. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the blasters don't all sound the same anymore. And so I think just the detail is finally where they wanted it to be in the first place. And I think I remember uh, hearing that on a, on an interview at some point is that 2019, 2020 animation has finally got the show where they originally intended for it to be in the first place. It finally looks and sounds the way they originally envisioned back in like 2008 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's finally coming to light and it's, it's, got a lot of the classic pieces of the clone wars that makes us feel nostalgic for the stuff that happened during our high school teenage early college years and also gives us a little bit of a revision slash up that is just fantastic to watch because like we've all said i think it's got a little bit of a film feel to it if they were able to extend it and and run them all back to back to back together the way you can do on, on streaming services. If it just went from one right into the, without having to hit the back button, slide over, select the new one, hit play on that, blah, blah, blah. Like if they were able to do them, like even more in sequence, like just roll right into the, it would feel like one giant extended story. And that is just classic clone Wars storytelling. And it's, it's probably that kind of storytelling at its finest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think it, it this this show really uh, it feels just an overall opinion that I have of the show is the fact that 
it doesn't feel like any time has passed. It feels like we've just continued on, and we saw season five, and then season six happened, and season seven, and, you know, I think in the future, people watch these, they're not going to know, you know, there was six years in between season uh, six and, and season seven, or about five or six years, I think. But uh, Was it six? Holy damn. Well, mm. it was 2013 or 2014 when they finally released season six. And then now yeah. we're in 2020. Wow. So, I, did, I, guess I, didn't, I guess I didn't realize it was that long ago. Because we were talking about – we're talking about five years ago we went to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015. They released the Clone Wars. They finished Clone Wars or quote-unquote finished it before that, before Force Awakens, well before Force Awakens came out. And season six came out in uh, March of 2014. Just verified that. I have a question. When did we get so old? <laughs> That's the question. Seriously. <laughs> I just, I feel like a grandpa right now. Jeez, man. I remember the 90s, man. I remember that. That was <laughs> over 20 years ago now. I remember it. <sighs> My sister, my my sister was born in two thousand. She literally does not remember the nineties. I it it boggles <laughs> my mind that there are like people that, I mean, your sister is is a little bit younger than us, but not that much younger. Like I consider her an adult, like a peer. Bro, bro she's getting married in September. I know, I know, wow. and it's I'm like, you were born in the two thousands. I remember the year two thousand. Like, come on now, you can't do this to me. Man, this is. I remember bad. some of the '90s, not all of them. I was born in '95, so I, have I mean, like the a Clone Wars. Memory. The Clone Wars began in 08, 2008, mm-hmm. the same year as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> That's crazy to me. It's just insane. Same and, year as the Dark Knight. And we're talking many years later, in the year 2020, we're talking about season seven of this show. Finally, so. Uh, I got a question then. What's uh, is is the lost? Uh, I forget what season six was called. It was called like the lost, the lost missions. The lost missions. Yeah. Then is that just being called season six now? On Disney Plus, it's called season six. Yeah. So okay. They called they they marketed it as the lost missions on Netflix, which was right. which was kind of a, I feel like kind of a backhanded thing. It felt like it was like, well, these were lost, and you'd be lucky you're getting them, even right. even though we canceled the show and all this kind of stuff. I just don't get why they didn't call it season six in the first place. But I, um, I think I'm I'm glad that Disney Plus is just going. Okay, it's season six, season seven, boom, it's done. We can because everyone called it season six. That's exactly. what it was. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. it and it doesn't give any confusion to it. Also, I'm glad we're back in the season thing, and I'm just glad that we're watching this and watching. And getting to talk about season freaking seven, finally, because yeah. I, I I personally didn't believe this was gonna happen. Neither did I, and I'm I'm actually I feel spoiled and I'm stuck between like being super happy that we're getting a new season and super sad that we're not getting a season eight. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy that we've seen four episodes, but that's four less episodes that I had to look forward to. Oh. So. 
I'm really in a bad place. So let's not think about it. I'm just not going to talk about it. We're just going to move on. And we're going to talk about the first episode real quick. We're going to go in sequence here. And we'll talk about the first episode, The Bad Batch, which is a really solid episode, in my opinion. A great way to open the season. And, you know, you got the them going in and, you know, they realize they're kind of outgunned. They're outmaneuvered by Admiral Trench because he's back somehow, some way. I don't care. I'm just glad he's back. And uh, the Bad Batch shows up, and uh, lo and behold, there's a signal coming in, and Mr. Echo is out there. And uh, so, and no, I'm not talking about Mr. Echo from Lost. I don't know why I said Mr. I just said that. <laughs> anyway, the Bad Batch, the first episode. Uh, Jake, what did you think of this first episode? Uh, just a great introduction back into the Clone Wars and a really cool introduction to the Bad Batch themselves. It was awesome kind of getting to know each of the the players in the Bad Batch team and like why, like why they are. I mean, we don't really know why they're there. They just kind of come out of nowhere, sort of, but they're they're there to help. And um, they all have their special uh abilities and gift sets i guess and uh i I guess this group of clones is like a a group of clones that just you know is different um and and i i i didn't even think about this until now but the bad batch i always thought that was just like a cool name but they're they're a bad batch of clones you know they're a batch of clones that didn't quite uh they weren't quite bad to the bone <laughs> but they they uh they Start proved out. to be very useful and they uh i don't know i i really liked all their their designs and you know like we, i've talked about before i'm a very visual guy and I, I like to look at you know how things look and stuff and i thought they definitely gave them a, a really cool look but uh things at the beginning weren't so smooth between uh them and and rex and uh I, I believe cody was there too yeah um there was some bickering going on there they didn't always work well together but man when a, a group of droids come comes over the hill bad batch gets into action and they take them to town you know they they are not to be messed with and uh they kind of prove in that first episode there of what what they're capable of and what they're made of so um yeah, it was a really cool introduction to the Bad Batch for sure, and uh, really cool to see um, Anakin uh, back. Really cool to see uh, Mace Windu there. Really cool to see um, Obi Wan. It was hilarious to see Obi Wan uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what Anakin's doing in 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 that room, talking to Padme. Hey, but, uh, hey, you're getting ahead of yourself, buddy boy. That's the next episode. Is it really? Oh, it I didn't all realize. runs together. Oh, I'm Easy sorry. Mistake. Okay. Well, I, I thought that was like during the first episode, but never yeah. mind. We'll get there. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, really cool first episode. Really great uh, reintroduction to the show. Yeah, I and and that's the thing. That's the biggest thing for me is, especially with the first episode, is the visuals. This show has literally never looked better than it does right yeah. now, and you know each season builds built on itself and you know went to you know new heights with the visuals but this season just went above beyond and uh season seven is i mean that first episode is gorgeous and axis the whole just design of that planet is magnificent it's so great and i love that they went on a limb and kind of created something completely new and delivered on it with this season 
But uh, Zach, The Bad Batch, season episode one, what do you think? Um, you, you guys have touched on a lot of it, honestly. You, you've gotten a lot of the highlights. Um, the only other thing that I would probably add to is um, the for The Bad Batch. Done by this is this is Kiner's work, isn't it? Yeah, Kiner's back. Kiner Kiner's back, just like everybody else is back. And the uh, the the music, the theme for the Bad Batch was really clever and really unique. It was it was upbeat and exciting, but also had a little bit of a of like a hero's theme to it with some darker undertones, so that you could kind of play it during softer, quieter moments. Kind of use like a minor key a little bit to kind of play off of the the quiet intensity of sneaking up on the cyber center and stuff like that um it reminded me a little bit the the upbeat portions reminded me a little bit of rise of the resistance Mm. and -hmm. some of the darker tones reminded me a little bit of director krennic's theme and it was it was really interesting getting to hear some new stuff but also kind of reminiscent of some stuff that we've heard previously and uh, can we also just take a moment to recognize that Wrecker is basically just a Republic commando? <laughs> like, yeah, basically. It's, it's basically yeah, if Drax the Destroyer crazy. was a Republic commando. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. And, I wonder. I wonder if he. I wonder. I wonder if one of his mutations is that he turns invisible when he stands. <laughs> <laughs> the Invisible Man. The invisible, um, oh my gosh, that poster though. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, are you talking about the one where <laughs> the Invisible Man and then it, it, it's the, the poster. Invisible Man poster, but they photoshopped Drax into the it, background? <laughs> yeah, that is coming. Uh, um, now I forget if this was the first episode or the second episode. I'm pretty sure it was the first episode though. When when uh, uh, Cody gets trapped in the ship mm-hmm. and first record just lifts the ship right off him. That yeah. honestly, that blew my mind. I, I was not expecting that at all. Um, but You're not expecting a cartoon to do ridiculous, crazy things. <laughs> no, I just didn't expect him to be that strong. I'm like, not basically Space Jam, where Michael Jordan's arm stretches like 50 feet. Okay, this is not Space Jam, though. Well, I guess <laughs> hey, we could call this Space Jam. Apples and oranges. <laughs> the Bad Batch was not in Space Jam. Also, <laughs> Space Jam predicted the coronavirus. Just saying. Oh, did it really? <laughs> I've been hearing that. <laughs> I've been hearing that Space Jam. Uh, did well. You just said Space Jam did. Uh, I heard that Simpsons did, but they predict everything. And I right. heard a Dean Koontz novel from 1981 predicted it. So I, oh, I guess this, this we should have known this was going to happen. It was just bound to happen eventually. But it was Doctor I... Nouveau Vindy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know how close that sounded, but judging by your chuckles, it was close. <laughs> close enough. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> Oh, don't, my God. don't uh don't quit your day job <laughs> oh dude i want to quit my day job so bad but that's another story entirely me too and i haven't even started my new one yet. <laughs> dear lord um and we are a bunch aren't we another 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 element that i wanted to talk about from this episode was some of the action shots reminded me a little bit of the avengers if you yeah. if you look at at the way that they got into the elevator on that outpost just outside the side when they're when they're spinning in the lift and then they like show up and the droids are like hey you're not authorized to be here they start shooting them down and the camera starts panning in a similar fashion to the 2012 avengers movie 
where you're getting to the climax and you want to look at all of your heroes in like one big money shot. Yes. They had like that that circular money shot for the bad, bad batch in that outpost there and it was super good. And yeah, that's another thing I'll say about like all these episodes. There's so many like new creative angles that I noticed in shot, like camera angles and and shots and things that uh I don't think I've seen in the Clone Wars before or a lot of shows in general before and it was cool to get that kind of uh new like a, a new approach to to how the show looks too. And I think it really helped a lot of scenes. Yeah, that shot is great and the one shot that they do when they're going into the cyber center where it's mm. uh Wrecker kicks the door down and they go in and it follows them for like it's like a minute long I think. Okay. Yeah. It follows them that, all the way in. That felt like that episode of season 1 of Daredevil when he's in the hallway fighting all those yes. bots. Yeah, and also, you know what? Okay. This might have actually predated Daredevil because they started working on this a long time ago, and that shot I watched the story reels is in the original episode. I I I wouldn't doubt that they worked on this maybe like kind of after that came out, just a little bit, but like right around the time it came out, so they could have taken influence right from it. Well, okay, so Daredevil season one released in April of 2015. Yeah. But there's no telling when season one was shot. I would imagine sometime in 2014. Yeah, maybe. But, but like, the story reels had been worked on. The, the Bad Batch oh, was in production a couple years before it was released in 2014. Well, I'm not, like, I, I can't quite remember. Because I was there in the room while they showed the, the animatics and the sketches, the storyboards for it. Um, and I think it may have had... The audio pretty much done, but was it pretty much this episode, or was it something different? Um, the, I from... remember. I remember the sequence where they are listing coordinates for where to put the droid poppers. Okay, uh, that was that was definitely in the story reel because I was I've... sitting here. I was I was sitting there watching that that story reel, going, "Oh my god, I want to see this in like in its finished product." Yeah, because, because just the idea of listing coordinates tossing it exactly sniping it mid toss and using it to maximize your taking out of the of the opponent was just mind-boggling to me and to see it like that and then now to see it in its final form that's probably one of my favorite sequences in the whole arc yeah Yeah. it was just very cool to hear you know one guy give out coordinates and the other guy like just repeat the coordinates i don't know just something so cool this this was this was the essence of them working as a unit and that's one of the things that i was really impressed by was there's always been a lot of like miscommunication and discord and arguments that go on amongst clone troopers but these guys were so in sync it was beautiful mm. because you've got wrecker protecting everybody with the makeshift shield, and he's probably shooting at a few droids here and there but then tech is off to the side he's listing the core Hunter is the one that is repeating the coordinates and tossing them. And then Crosshair is the one that is shooting it at the precise moment that it maximizes the damage of the droids. Yeah. Like every person has a role during that sequence. And all he had to do was list Plan 82, Shockwave, and just boom, they go right in and they take care of business in a matter of minutes. It was fantastic to see. Yeah. And without any of them, that wouldn't have worked you needed all four of them to be able to do what they did and he took on a freaking army of droids by themselves 
Mm-hmm. Four guys took them all down. And, you know, it's like, why isn't, you know, it's what Peter Griffin, why aren't we funding this? Why isn't the Republic, you know, <laughs> creating more of these guys? They, they'd win the war in a second with, with a bunch of bad batches out on the battlefield. Yep. But, well, uh, but what's interesting is you can't really break these guys up either. They are a unique task force. You can't, like, have Hunter leading one group and then have Tech leading another group and have Crosshair, you know, taking charge of the 212th or something like that and then have, you know, Wrecker joining the 501st. Like, you, you can't split these guys up to maximize their potential across the galaxy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, right. they are, they are spe- like, so specifically in sync and, and joined at the hip that the only way they are this effective is when they are that effective together. Yeah, yeah. And, and see, like, the entire clone army is kind of designed as this one big unit that you can put any amount of clones together and they'll survive and they'll they'll be... And they're very creative, We as we've seen in plenty of episodes, but, like, Bad Batch are that way to the max. They are yeah. super creative and they work extremely well together because they are just these genetically alter perhaps genetically designed to work together as well as well as just be unique and yeah. it's it's incredible hey, they're really basically like star wars's version of the a-team on steroids absolutely i mean it really is well i mean that. hunter basically just looks like rambo for crying out loud right <laughs> he does yeah he's he like does. the he's like the hannibal and then wreckers like the ba baracus and uh uh, I don't know who the other two guys are, but <laughs> well, Mister Wrecker is definitely Mister T. Yep, exactly. I pity the fool. <laughs> but uh, okay, so second episode, which takes takes up right off from the last episode, a distant echo, and uh, we're getting even more kind of hostility, which I like. I like a lot of the interplay between that and the fact that these guys are not only look different and act different. But they're not used to working with regular clones, and yeah. they yeah. call them rags, yeah. and they're all... work with rags. <laughs> yeah. It's it's and it's great, and it continues on into this thing where they're kind of they're kind of dicks to each other, you know, especially <laughs> uh, well, crosshair. Yeah, they, they get violent pretty much, you know. He's like throwing rags around. And well, stuff, he, or... he gets that 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 scene on the on the mountaintop where yeah. he's like, "Oh yeah, I don't blame your friend for being angry or whatever because." You left him behind. I would have left him behind too. It's like, whoa, dude! And Rex yeah. just comes unglued. Yep, it's crazy. Well, because that just—it's kind of antithetical to the concept of which is what Rex's identity is basically built on. We saw that in the Umbara arc, and we see that in the way that he is like hell bent on trying to get after Echo. But I mean, after the experiences that he's had with the Domino Squad. I mean, think about it. Going all the way back to season one with rookies, and then the attack on Camino, the uh, the Citadel uh, Fives' demise during the Order sixty six conspiracy. Like Rex has been through hell with the Domino Squad, mm-hmm. and if there's a chance that one of his closest brothers is still alive, he's gonna move mountains to try and and get to him. And I think that's one of the right. one of the biggest uh, overarching things that I saw over this entire four episodes set was Rex's unwavering unquestioning devotion to his brother was uh, just a a great example of loyalty and a great example of commitment which is everything that we expect from someone like Rex right and I I love that this this 
whole arc largely focuses on Rex. It largely is about him and this journey that he goes on in regards to him, you know, recognizing that he's come so far in this war and that he's he's lost so many of his brothers and that he's tried to put it behind him, but then realizing that when he gets this small glimmer, glimmer of hope that this one guy... Echo could still be alive. They could get him back, and it just changes his whole perspective on this. And he really is soul focused. And also, as you were mentioning earlier, Jake, you know this whole thing with Anakin has rubbed off on Rex so much. Mm-hmm. And we get that great scene where you know, uh, you know, we have Anakin and Padme, which was great. And I think, oh, the- dude, that scene. <laughs> It's incredible, that, and 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 I love that Dave Filoni went out of his way to put that scene in there because she really originally wasn't going to be in this right. arc or even the season. Man, oh my gosh, there were so many things about that scene that were so fantastic. Like we could do an entire segment on that segment alone. Like, yeah. for for starters, she her her hologram pops up and instantly. A, a modified rendition of Across the Stars starts playing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kiner, just, you, I, you oh magnificent son of a gun. Golly. <laughs> Kiner just... He, I, I lost it at that point. And then, like, the playful banter between the two of them was like, you're late. Uh, I know. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. They weren't just super stoic. Like, they were a cute couple for a time mm-hmm. they they were actually trying to find a way to make long distance work like my god i couldn't even make a 500 mile relationship work can you imagine being light years away from your so like holy crap these guys were doing everything they possibly could and obviously it still wasn't enough but it's just it's it's fascinating to to hear that music to listen to the banter, to hear her encouragement to him about being there for Rex because Rex has always been there for you. Like, not only is she just having conversation with him, but she's like providing him with counsel. She's being like mm. his rock almost. Like, yeah. he needs guidance and she's like the shining light that he's trying to, to go to. And when she's not there, obviously he makes bold and and brash decisions like we see in the uh two episodes following but oh my gosh that that whole scene was just it was brilliantly written scored integrated like everything about it to me was just amazing probably one of the best padme anakin scenes we've ever gotten like movies concluded everything because Mm -hmm. We didn't get a lot of good stuff in the movies. Let's be honest here, not a ton. Yeah. Um, and but that scene right there just it, it makes it helps you understand why they're together, like why they're married, why they're in love. Because you know, and Padme in that moment is is being such a wonderful support to Anakin, and such so is so soothing to him. You know, in regards to guiding him on this path and and losing her, you understand that you know that's 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 why he goes basically insane um jake you mentioned it earlier what do you what do you like about this scene well i i really liked that moment between anakin and padme and it really reminded me of revenge of the sith you know it was just another like it reminded me of of anakin uh meeting 
Padme kind of off off to the side in the corridor uh, with the the pillars there in that one yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, uh, was that at the Jedi Temple? I that think was so. at the uh, the Senate building. Senate, I believe. Senate building. Oh, oh, right, right, the Senate building. Um, yeah, it, it really reminded me of that a lot, and you know, I think that was definitely on purpose, and it just kind of gave us another piece of the puzzle that is their their secret uh forbidden relationship that anakin really isn't even allowed to be in because he's part of the jedi order and um you know i knowing everything that happens in the future knowing you know what happens between them two i still found myself rooting for that relationship and hoping in you know inside that that would be something more than it ends up being um but uh yeah just really really cool moment between the two of them and i i I thought that was you know the emotion of that was balanced out hilariously by you know humor uh on what's happening outside of that door where uh um obi-wan's trying to get in and uh uh, i'm sorry is is rex defending the door yeah rex is outside right okay and he hands him his helmet you don't know what he's gonna because i was like i wasn't expecting that at all i was like What's he doing with his helmet? What's going on here? And then he goes in there, and then Anakin's like, "Oh, it's all fixed now. Try not to break it again." Like, oh, right? I'm well, he's it. like, he's like, oh, he's doing a, a ear infection or something like that. And, and I love the exchange that they have where they're like, "Oh, uh, Rex, we have to do that thing." And Rex is like, "Uh, no, well, no, we don't have time for that." And they're just like going back and forth and trying to, you know, weasel this thing in. And and Re- and uh, uh, Hunter's like, "I'll let you guys just figure this out on your own. I'm just gonna step away. Something's going on here. I don't know what it is." And right. the fact that Rex knows, the fact that Rex is in on it, I did not expect that. I mean, it seems logical. Rex is not stupid. Nobody around uh, Anakin is. And it seems pretty obvious that uh, Anakin Padme, obviously a thing. I don't think they suspected that maybe they're married or that she has kids on the way. But yeah. uh, still, so, go ahead. Well, I can't remember, but at any point during the Clone Wars, did it become like did we as the audience know that obi-wan knew about them this being is the together f- this is the first yeah. i think no. over i would counter i would counter that when they are rescuing her inside the malevolence obi-wan volunteers to go fetch the droids so that he leaves the two of them alone interesting okay. Here, there, like, there's purpose. some there's some little things. There's a lot of little things sprinkled throughout that, you know, it, it seems... And there's also a conversation that I think Obi-Wan has with Anakin in Season 6 in the in the, the Clovis arc, where he kind okay. of lectures Anakin about having relationships and stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, Anakin, on top of that, is going back and teasing him about Satine when that was all going on. <laughs> right, so, it, it seems like Obi-Wan is, like, not against the relationship necessarily he's not doing anything to stop it if anything i think his experience with Satine, i think makes obi-wan want to support his friend i think what he does in this scene which is kind of say oh i i I hope you told padme i'm 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 really disappointed he didn't say i hope he didn't tell padme i said hello there Oh, he just says hello. hello. There was a missed opportunity there, but uh, I think it's this wink and nod of Obi Wan saying, "Look, dude, I'm not stupid. I know what you're doing, but I support you. I'm okay with it. Like, I'm I'm yeah. gonna keep your secret, okay. and that's the whole thing." Okay, 
But with that, I'm going to take it one step further, because you were talking about that scene in the Senate building with the two of them, Jake. Yeah. I, I feel like this, this moment here actually changes my perspective of a moment in Revenge of the Sith now. I know what you're okay. going with this. Because when the scene right before that, where Obi-Wan stays on the shuttle, and he's like, oh no, I'm not brave enough for politics. I have to report to the council. Anakin, this is your day. You deserve your glorious moment with the politician. Like in Revenge, <laughs> oh. in, in Revenge of the Sith, it always seemed to me like he was saying that because he legit didn't want to be around politicians. Right. right. Now, because of that sequence, it almost feels like he's trying to be Anakin's wingman. And yeah, I know who's in the Senate building. <laughs> you know who's in the Senate building. You've been light years away from them for God knows how long. I'm going to get out of your hair. You go do your thing, and I'll see you at the debriefing after you've debriefed yourself. So basically, you got to read between the lines of, of Obi-Wan's dialogue there. <laughs> Bro, my joke was perfect, and nobody laughed at it. I'm depressed now. <laughs> what did you say? I said, I will see you at the debriefing after you've debriefed yourself. Oh, my gosh. But, um, Shut up, duh. Come exactly. on, you guys. Get with the program. It was an innuendo <laughs> that was rated PG. And I had to repeat myself, and now it's PG-13. Thanks a lot. Oh, boy. It is what it is. Ah, that was funny. Sorry, tech. Zach. Somebody's laughing. Funny somebody. tech. Like, I was going on that monologue, and I was like, wait a second. This is the perfect punchline. And I just, like, led right into it. Like, I didn't plan that or anything. It just happened spur of the moment. And oh my god. You're a comedic genius. Uh, okay. I I I get I, I give all the credit to the shows that I've been watching lately. I have been binge watching Brooklyn Nine Nine and they have some of the most perfect comedic timing of any sitcom I've ever seen. It, I really need to see that. It's amazing. It is absolutely hilarious. And the star it. of the show is named Jake, so you've got no excuse. <laughs> oh yeah, I did know that. I mean, that's another incentive whoops, another incentive to watch that. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. But, I mean, Ben, doesn't it seem like now, based on Obi-Wan's greeting to her in this sequence, that he's kind of being a wingman in Revenge of the Sith now? Or am I reading too much? No, I think I think you're right on the money here. I think there's a lot of stuff that can be reread in Revenge of the Sith that, with, with all this taken into consideration, um, one thing that people have called into consideration as... A possible plot hole, but I argue it's not, is the scene on Mustafar when Padme comes to him and says, he knows, Obi-Wan knows about us, and she says us, and people were saying, well, you know, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, obviously he knew about us being Anakin and Padme already, but, like, I don't think Obi-Wan knows that they're married. I think Obi-Wan thinks that they're together and they have a thing for one another and they're seeing one another and they have a lot of affection for one another. But as far as being married, I don't think he's really apprised of that. And he definitely doesn't know about the twins. So I think that's a revelation that is still there in Revenge of the Sith. But I think if you just look at it logically, Obi-Wan and like Obi-Wan had to be an idiot not to notice. Like, Ahsoka yeah. figured it out because she said, I know, when Borshi left. Um, Rex knows. Like, Obi-Wan, being as close as he is to both those characters, he would have to know. Yep. It just, it's, it's too obvious not to notice. 
Well, uh, okay. And also, don't these people feel things in the forest? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I just feel like there's so many things that are be like, okay, I'm I'm sensing a uh, disturbance in Anakin's mind. If you know what I mean. The, the forest disturbances are very uh, convenient when they happen. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like you can use the force to sense when billions of voices are crying out in terror and then are suddenly silenced, but you can't tell when your best friend is boning a senator. <laughs> or he he can't tell that his wife is pregnant when she clearly is. Yeah, like the way she's got her hand on her stomach in this hologram, it's like, oh, okay. But now, now the question is, um. How long has he been gone, and how far along is she? When did he get shore leave enough for that to happen? I figure this is just a few months prior to Sith, and yeah. she's probably Maybe like halfway true. along, probably. I don't know. I don't know how pregnancy works. Don't ask me. But uh, Yeah, this is the wrong crowd to ask that question of. I need right. to go talk to Sage. <laughs> so, you're, yeah, you're, what you're saying is it has to be after Revenge of the Sith, right? No, it can't be because in Revenge no. of the Sith she goes, "I'm pregnant," but isn't see, she obviously pregnant in the hologram? That see, that was the the theory that this hologram scene before we got this episode was that it was going to be during Revenge of the Sith. We know the series is in the Siege of Mandalore; where it's going to go uh, into Revenge of the Sith. But obviously, that's been disproven. Here's the thing, though, and some people have speculated about. How long is Revenge of the Sith? How many days or weeks or months does it take place over? And Pablo Hidalgo has clarified this and said that, not to say that it takes place over a certain amount of time, but he says that the belly prosthetic that Natalie Portman wears in that movie is the same at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. She does not get any more pregnant during Revenge of the Sith. So we can assume that maybe she's like partially pregnant here a few months in, and they've been How apart we... for maybe three, four, five months, and then we'll go to Revenge of the Sith, which is when they meet, and then she's, like, ready to give birth. Okay, but how much of a dumbass is he that he hugs his wife and doesn't feel that belly when he hugs her? Well, he yeah. he, he doesn't until he gets to Revenge of the Sith, though. Yeah, yeah but how does he that... not see that she's kind of... Right, bigger. how does he not see that belly when he first hugs and how does he not sense the extra two life forms that are like around her aura? Like, is he just so hyper fixate just her that he doesn't recognize like the physical extran like extraneous parts? Like, that's that's the part that gets me. Is like again, it's it's very convenient how these people sensing people, other people, is sometimes it works. For example, in A New Hope, Vader senses Obi-Wan running around the Death Star. He knows he's there. Then you go oh. back to Attack of the Clones, and Obi-Wan's running around the Separatist droid factory, and Dooku never senses him, never knows he's there. Like, so there's definitely some, you know, it's just like whatever the writer decides is best. Too, too many plot holes. I don't like Star Wars anymore. Sorry, guys. It's just ruined. Just ruined it. The whole thing. Well, our, our friend... And Steven, who was on the show last week, is chiming in in the live. Says that Matt Martin from Lucasfilm says that the Outer Rim sieges go on for about six months. So okay. if if he's in the middle of those Outer Rim sieges right now, then they're probably three to four months into it, which means she's probably about four to five, maybe six months along. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he also mentions that in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, it says that Anakin sensed someone between the two of them 
Uh, apparently wow. there's just no way to express that in the film, but you can express it in the book again. And you also, also, it doesn't make any sense that they continue throughout Revenge of the Sith to refer to the twins as the child, as if they don't know that there's two kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, one, one, did she of... not have an ultrasound or something yeah, like exactly. high tech stuff to know that she has two kids. And for one, why couldn't Anakin sense it? <laughs> Yeah, how does how does Anakin not sense the two life forms inside Movie of Movie is ruined. Like, okay, this is not supposed to be a Revenge of the Sith breakdown or like a, a super in depth discussion of Anakin and Padme's relationship. This All right, is, so we get to Skako Minor. A distant echo. <laughs> we get to Skako Minor. They make their way in. Um, it's supposed to be stealth, and as it goes, especially anybody that plays video games knows, uh, stealth don't go no further. Then uh, a few minutes, and then we get into just blowing things up and uh, destroying these droids, which are really cool droids, I have to say. Really cool Dude, designs on yeah. these things. Dude, and... I, I am a fan of the D-Wing air support droids, as they're called on Wikipedia. Like, they fly now? They fly now! They fly now! They, they, well, okay, in this episode, we don't know that they fly. For now, they, they've just got more of a spindly appearance, and they walk like freaking velociraptors <laughs> yeah they they walk and run around like freaking velociraptors and they have two blasters built into them it's not like the b1s that have to carry a separate blaster they have blasters built into their so not only are they slimmer and able to fit into tighter places not only do they have two blasters built in we also as you said learn that they fly and their appearance gives them the ability to run and shoot simultaneously, which obviously the battle droids don't do very well. The B1s don't do very well. And they run like velociraptors, which makes them look way more intimidating. So, like, in my opinion, the, D, the D-Wing air support droids are the model that, that they should have been working on in the Confederacy from the beginning. And using the Trade Federation model is ultimately one of the biggest downfalls of the trade of, of the of the Confederacy and the Trade Federation was you you should have used these models from the get go. Like Watt Tambor knew what he was doing. Well, you know, and from a certain point of view, you could say that you know, hey, if they made more bad batchers, the Republic would uh, you know have an upper hand in the war. If they put more D wings out there. For the Separatists, the Separatists would have a bigger part in the war, but uh, that's not the point of this war. The point is just to keep the war going. No. They don't. They don't want either. Sidious doesn't want either side gaining an upper hand. So maybe Sidious put the kibosh on that. Mm-hmm. He, he may have, and then that that could explain why they're only visible on Skeko Minor. Was you know, Tambor pushed for them to be produced, and then somebody nixed it, and he's like, "Well, fine, I'll just put them on my base." Cause <laughs> I'll just no, make like a billion of them. I'll just, I'll just, no. He, well, I think he's just making them in secret. Like he might have his own factory on Skeko Minor where nobody comes to visit him anyway, because they technically, uh, what did he call it, corporate neutrality? Like yep. technically, nobody's supposed to be coming over to Skeko Minor. And so he's like, okay, fine. I'll just build my droids on my planet. It's like nobody wants to play ball with me. I'll just go play ball by myself kind of thing. Well, and you also have to consider that perhaps using the regular B1 or B2 battle droids would 
in appearance, even though it's kind of a joke, as Anakin says, um, it 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 would kind of destroy their whole argument about being neutral. You know, it would say, okay, you're using these battle droids, you're obviously with the Separatists, but they've got their own kind of version of the battle droids that's separate from what's used in the actual war, so they can kind of can keep up the charade of, oh, we're separate, we're not with those guys. But yeah. but do other do other corporations like that have something like that of their own? Because I actually thought for some reason that the Techno Union was behind the B2s. The political makeup in the prequels doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes, but I think it's also based on real-world politics, which doesn't make a lot of sense most times, so, you know. Well, okay, but if you if you if you take a look at Attack of the Clones, really it's just the Trade Federation and the Techno Union that are like the two biggest parts that are signing Count Dooku's treaty and they're trying to get the banking clan, the commerce guilds and other groups to join them in order to rally other systems to their cause. Up until this point, the only battle droids that we had seen were the ones that the Trade Federation had in uh, Phantom Menace. So then if there's new battle droids on the scene, that can only be because of new alliances that are formed. If the Techno Union is like one of the first ones to join the Confederacy, then it would stand to reason that it's their technology that helped produce the... We lost it. We lost you. lost you there for a second, Zach. Uh, I was, I, I'm just saying that it... it would stand to reason that if if all we were the B1s from the Phantom Menace, then the B2s were a product of the New Alliance, which one of the primary members was the Techno Union. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I, I, I don't know quite how it all shakes out, but uh I do like the that Wat Tembor is back. And yeah. he looks really cool and he's all updated in his new character model and uh also um, one one of my favorite lines from from uh Attack of the Clones is from Watt Tambor when he's like adjusting his dial. He's like, the Techno Union Army. And I'm so glad that they like fit that in as many times as possible. Him saying Techno Union Army in these episodes. I love it. That's great. All right. So on to the On the Wings of Kirdax, which is a shorter episode, but still a lot of action in it. It's jam packed. My God. Yeah, it starts right off. Really a lot of tension. They're trying to get Echo literally unplugged from the machines. They can get him out of there. And uh, he immediately starts helping them, which I like the whole idea that for some reason he's plugged in their computer. So he like he knows the whole layout of the place. So he helps them escape. And then they get on that pipe and they're surrounded by droids. And it's just like, you know, out of the pot and into the fire. Um, classic Star Wars. Well, yeah. And I think. I think it, these these two really make really good duologies because Distant Echo drops off while, where you're you're still uh, you're still inside Percol when Wings of Kiridex, and so these two are basically like like extensions of of each other. You you get into Percol in the first episode, you get out of Percol in the second episode, and so um, it was it was interesting to to see the. The release of Echo and the and the fact that he really didn't remember a whole lot outside of the Citadel, and then as soon as he gets disconnected from the network, he starts to have a little bit more awareness about who he is and and, and where he is and what's going on. Has instant knowledge of the schematics of the base, which proves to be really helpful. And uh, can can I can I just say that I wish we had more decimators in this series from the beginning. Oh mm-hmm. my 
gosh. I, I love really cool design. I loved the decimator and I love like Tambor's introduction. Like I <laughs> this is this is gonna sound funny, but this is one of the instances where I actually get some of what our friend Dan Grievous is talking about when he geeks out about Confederacy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I've always been been super pro like i love the clones i love characters like the the domino squad but the music for Watt tambor when he's approaching the door was really dark and ominous his summoning of the decimator and sending it in to go do his, his dirty work the effect of the decimator like in theory not in practice but in theory the effectiveness of it sounds absolutely amazing it sounds like they basically created a organic version of droid poppers with these decimators like that's basically what they what they seem to be and uh and then when he finally makes it into the chamber and he realizes that echo's gone he realizes that the research has been destroyed like he gets very very upset and then when he receives updates about losing that investment he starts getting a little bit uh shady like Oh no, we're not gonna tell the Confederate. We're not gonna tell the Separatists about this yet. Uh, all in good time. And we must a new strategy or something like that. Like he's 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 trying to figure out how to cover his ass basically, mm-hmm. and like all of that. He's he's very strategic. He's very deliberate. He's very uh, intentional. He's very sinister. Like. I actually felt like Tambor felt like a legitimate villain rather than just like a a placeholder villain like we got from him in season one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh yeah, and I love Wet Tambor. I wish we could could have got more of him. And I, I mean, I remember going back to the Ryloth arc. I loved him in that and you know his whole deal with that and uh See, yeah, in he, that one, in that one it felt like they were just picking different people to be the placeholder villains so that Grievous and Dooku weren't suffering losses all the time. That's true. That's Cause, true. Because Grievous, the first couple of seasons, was taking loss after loss after loss, and it was like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So, like, losing, having having Tambor lose Ryloth was like, oh, okay, yeah, the Separatists lost, but now we can blame it on somebody else kind of thing. With this one, it just, it, I guess it felt a little more personal. It felt more impactful because this is like where he lives i guess right yeah yeah so and i i love seeing skeko minor i loved seeing more of wat tambor species we really haven't seen yep. them they're all in yep. these giant you know rolling iron lungs but i love that design and the whole uh all the sound effects that go with it oh, okay but, hold on if this is their home world why are they still wearing the masks that's is, a good question this isn't their home world it isn't, I guess. Yeah. This is just this is just a base that they live on. Skako yeah, Minor Skako Minor can't be their homeworld if they're still wearing the mask. Yeah, unless I don't know, it just it, yeah, it is weird. It is weird. I, I don't know where they're actually from, but yeah, that wouldn't make a lot of sense if they're, you know. That, that would have been cool if we could have been like seen uh, Wat Tambor in his natural state with the mask off. Native in order to survive off their homeworld, they were required to wear pressure suits to simulate unique atmosphere and pressure, which were very different from galactic standard. A male Skakoan known as Wat Tambor was the foreman of the Techno Union during the final years of... So, 
Skako is the star system that they're from, but I don't think Skako Minor has the same atmospheric conditions as the primary planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that from would Skako that, Major, I guess. That would that would, that would that would explain away the pressures. Yeah, um, makes sense. There are a couple things I actually wanted to talk about uh, in this episode, and I mean, we did get a little bit of it in the previous episode. But the uh, the politics, I loved their interaction with the clones and um, tech translating and just the uh, the back and forth of I mean, it, it was a very like political thing, uh, political discussion between both groups. You know, it was, it was interesting uh, seeing what people's motivations were and why the politics didn't want them there and the the clones reasoning with them and all of that stuff i thought was incredibly interesting and handled really well in both um uh distant echo and uh on the wings of curadex and uh also there's a there's a certain like uh droid or something like a huge you know those huge things with the three legs with the three uh the three cannons and they would like swivel and Anakin kind of cut off the the cannons. Uh, there were a couple of them, but there were those right. huge things at the end there. Um, they reminded me so much and uh, of uh, Orson Welles um, war of the worlds, the aliens in war of the worlds that came down to earth looked very similar to this and i googled mm. it um just now and there's a article i found saying star wars the clone Wars season seven episode three features brilliant visuals and a war of the world style droid so i know i wasn't far off um because somebody else noticed it too but i thought that yeah. was really cool yeah the uh, i think it's the octoparadroids that, that uh, actually i don't think we've seen much of them since uh the clone wars movie where they first showed up Okay. And you see them in an opening battle on Christophsis. And uh, I love seeing them here because, like, they can fly and everything like that, which is really cool. And it's just a cool design in setting. And you're right that it's, like, straight out of War of the Worlds in yeah. design-wise, which is really also cool. And, you know, just goes back to George Lucas and, you know, all the just classic film references that they squeezed into Clone Wars over the years. Yes. But... uh they fly now, and they fly all the way over to the village, and we get those, you know, the, the thousands of uh, D-Wings and the, the Octopara droids versus a village that they have to defend. And I have to say, the, the villagers get kind of screwed over here. I understand yeah. that, uh, you know, what's happening in this war, but, like, it's like a classic example of, like, innocents getting caught between two sides of a war because... You know, they weren't trying to go to the village, but at the same time, they were, and they ended up there, and a lot of those villagers died. Yeah, well, I feel like this this commentary uh, is probably a little bit more accurately told than the stuff we got in season one with the. Yeah. Like I feel so. like I feel like they're trying to retell that story just a little bit because this isn't the first time that our intrepid heroes have you know, gotten people to join the fight and be able to help stand up for themselves. We saw that in the Bounty Hunters episode. We saw that with the Lerman. And now we're seeing it here on Skako. 
this isn't uncharted territory, but it's done in a new and creative way that actually convinces a species for once that they need to choose. They need to join the fight. Otherwise, it could spell trouble for the efforts that they're, you know, trying to, to preserve their legacy, their culture, their livelihood. Like, they make this very personal appeal. And the other cool thing is they make the appeal in their language. That translation matrix that Tech has was really, really cool. And I think it might have been the appeal in their native language that might have convinced them to join. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's some good commentary. It's not like going over the same stuff that we have been and gets right cut to the right to the chase and they're like, Okay, you're in this. You have to pick a side. And uh they kick those droids' butts. Or if they have butts. But uh yeah. Great <laughs> epic battle. Really epic action and some great you know, some great humor in there too that I loved and uh the the whole thing with uh, Wrecker catching the foot of the Octoparadroid oh, and yeah, holding it back like so good well I mean you've also got Echo shooting down the some of the flying D-Wings you've also got Anakin showing off some you've got Rex kind of taking a leadership role when he calls out and he's like Hunter, Wrecker you're with me like he, mm-hmm. he, he he takes some control of the situation, which is also... And um, the visuals, the, the, the way that they fight, the style of the fight, actually also reminded me of an episode of Game of Thrones, believe it or not. Hmm. There, there's, a, there's a sequence in one of the early seasons of Game of Thrones where these, uh, these wildlings, these... these I, I don't know what you call them. They're basically like... Uh, um, nomad, nomad villagers from the north are trying to make their way south to get away from the danger, and they end up fighting these people that are defending them. And the fight that goes on is it, it's it's darker, it's closer to dusk slash nightfall, and it's a lot of hand to hand combat through some some befuddled and clouded light. There's a lot of um, pillars and smoke and ash kind of flying around and I think it might have been the blast from the Octoparadroids it might have been the close combat it might have been um, Hunter's use of the vibroblades that gave me that, that vibe or something but there was just something about that particular fight and the way that it was shot and the way that it was executed that reminded me of, of Game of Thrones as well for yeah, sure. Totally. Also, All right. So, can we, can we talk about Hunter's vibroblades for a second? Because I think this is like the first time we actually see something in the Clone Wars. Can can it, am I am I wrong? I know that we've had light whips used, but mm-hmm. have we seen vibroblades get used at all in the Clone Wars up to this point? Not at least not in this way. I think this is the first like big you know thing or, or vibroblades really in anything. I think. Um, that I can recall. To my knowledge. Now, can you use them in combat against a lightsaber, or are they meant to destroy technology? Um, I think the idea is that vibroblades are just, like, really high-tech knives, because um, I think Dave Filoni's talked about how originally Pre-Vizsla w- was, before he got the Darksaber, was going to have a vibroblade. 
But then George Lucas said, no, 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 that that wouldn't cut through a light. That cut lightsaber would cut right through that. We have to create a new version of the lightsaber to make it so that, you know, it's it's special and it's, you know, it's it can't hold back a lightsaber. So that's where the dark saber came from. So I'm assuming that at least according to George Lucas, the vibroblades are just like knives or, you know, like these big, you know, swords or whatever. I think we see some in Mandalorian. In that one episode where he goes, he he has a thing with the other Mandalorian that's voiced by John Favreau, and they pull knives on each other. And I think those are vibro blades. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, offensive weapon or hammered into an opponent's defenses or used as a utility device. Um, so apparently the BX series, the the commando droids. They use what's called a vibros, and they they use those in in combat against the clones. But I've never seen them swing one against a Jedi before, so I don't know if that would kind of have a similar effect the way it does with like a Magna Guard's weapon, or or not. But I just I found it really interesting that Hunter preferred melee weapons over blasters. Any chance he got to pull out a vibroblade. He was using it to stab a droid rather than shoot one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, big time, big time. And I, I love the whole. I love when he goes up and he stabs the spider droids in the eyes in the in the first episode, <laughs> and he's like doing. He, he stabs the uh, the commando droids like he's just all over the place. He's just he's just a stabby stab. He's a little murder. He's a little droid murderer. Um, so, okay, before we wrap up this discussion, we have some a bit of unfinished business. I should say. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, don't, don't. I'm gonna pat myself on the back because nobody else is going to be unfinished <laughs> business. The last episode that came out today that I just watched a few hours ago, and I'm assuming you guys have seen it too. Otherwise, why are you here? Um. So of course, spoilers for anyone this this not thing. Um. This is the grand finale, and it's a it's a finale. Like it is all over the place. We get the kind of the culmination of the battle on an axis. You know, Obi Wan and, and Mace Windu back in action, and they both look great, better, better than they have ever. Um, the Jedi robes are all updated and stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, Bad Batch is here. Echo is in full battle mode. He's got a new set of armor. He's got a really cool like R two unit arm, which is yep. crazy cool. And uh, you know, and then there's some you know suspicion about well, where does his loyalties lie and all this kind of stuff. I think some of it was pulled off a little bit ham-fisted. But we'll get to that. Um, anybody have any thoughts on unfinished business? Uh, my main thought from this episode is uh, I can't remember it word for word, obviously, but I I thought that Mace Windu's entrance into that <laughs> that so area good. when he jumps down with Obi Wan was pretty hilarious. I have dismantled and destroyed like how many thousands 100, of you? Hundred thousand. <laughs> You just lay down your weapons and uh, everything's gonna be fine. You can be reprogrammed for other uses. Fire, oh, kill him. Yeah. Negative ten out of ten. Ooh. Oh, what? Negative ten. Hated that. Absolutely hated that. that <laughs> Ma- was... The Mace Windu thing. Yes, the Mace Windu monologue. It was god awful. It was unnecessary. <laughs> it was totally wow. not like his character. It was just improper use of potential comedic that really wasn't needed or wanted. And 
it was just it was poorly written poorly executed poorly chosen for that particular character like i don't don't know if the if the purpose was to just make us dislike mace windu or if it was to try and provide a commentary on this notion that he really doesn't get why he's fighting this war in the first place because if he really has destroyed or dismantled a hundred thousand of these units then he knows that they are programmed to fight they are programmed to shoot they are programmed to die. They are not programmed to surrender and be reprogrammed. What kind of useless bull crap is that? <laughs> Why would he even offer it? Like we have a hater. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense and serves no purpose to the plot of the entire rest of the of the episode. Is it designed to give his clones time to to get cover? Is it designed to, uh, to, to, like I said, to show that he really doesn't understand why he's fighting this war in the first place? Does he really think that these droids are going to surrender and he'll be able to end the war via negotiations like the Jedi of old? Like, where does he get off thinking that this is going to be a good idea? It doesn't make any sense. And it makes my ears bleed every time I listen to it. Well, my ears are bleeding listening to that. <laughs> it was. I'm kidding. I think it was I'm like kidding. Equal parts cringy and just kind of like fun. I no. guess I don't know. No, no I did I, not I, have fun with that. I 100% disagree. I I loved it the first. I remember that. That was from the standout moments. I think it was a la LOL moment. At celebration, I'm pretty sure the entire audience laughed when that happened, um, because well, we saw that. They're all dummies. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but I loved it. It's a great moment. Best. It. The more you hate it, the more I love it. So I'm gonna say best moment in the entire series. Ooh, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> but uh, um, that your general direction. That wasn't the only thing in this episode. There was a lot of stuff happening. Um. For one, something we haven't talked about much was Admiral Trench is in this one. Yes. Um, is in this entire arc, and he has a big showdown with Anakin. Anakin was like, I killed you once, Spider. I'm going to kill you for the final time. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, that's that's exactly how he sounds. <laughs> I, I'm glad you like my Anakin Skywalker impression. <laughs> that, 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 that Anakin impression is probably as good as my Nuvo Vindi impression was earlier. Hey, my I'm Anakin Skywalker. I'm going to kill some spiders today. <laughs> what 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 <laughs> I liked it what oh now you're criticizing my impressions I see I'm not, I'm I see. not criti I, no I just <laughs> you're, prob yeah. you're probably the whitest person I know <laughs> and trying to, to uh, okay I'm not what you talking kidding. about what you talking about what you talking about Willis oh man <laughs> uh, I'm so glad I came back. This, you yeah, we, you we have no idea. We we definitely need to do it. Admiral Trench. He's been one of these villains that's like you just can't get rid of them. Much like a much like an actual spider. Like you step on it, you think it's dead, and it's not. It just keeps coming back. And the cool part is he is a brilliant tactician that knows his way around a battlefield several times over but also has like an understanding of decorum and procedure because in one of the previous episodes, he 
like addresses very formally and professionally to alert him to the presence of a potential incursion. And then he requests information from the algorithm in order to come up with his, with his strategy, his battle plan uh, for the attack on the power plant. Like he understands the chain of command so well and utilizes that to his advantage, I think. Mm. But you know, you, you've got to, you've got to factor in the, the, uh, the, the, the echo equation, if you will. And, you know, sending, sending a feedback loop is not an uncommon thing. I think it's happened before in Star Wars, and I know it's definitely happened in Star Trek before. You send one in order to uh, disrupt communications, or you send one to break free from a tractor beam that's holding your ship down. There's lots of different reasons to send a feedback, and uh, using it this time to shut down the entire droid army was pretty cool to see, but it was even cooler to see that Trench had himself a backup plan. It's like, all right, even if this idea doesn't work, I still need to be prepared. That is what a good tactician does. Yeah, yeah. I I, I see him as the, uh, you know, if Thrawn were a spider. (laughs) (laughs) I I can kind of see that. I also see him as the tactician that uh general grievous could never hope to be yeah like, he's, he's able got, to he's got up, more arms and more brains a couple more arms and definitely more eyes uh, <laughs> which was 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 another interesting thing when he's in command of the dreadnought he's got like multiple screens going but he's definitely got enough eyes to be able to pay attention to all of them you know maybe that's one of the other things that he's got to his advantage is the ability to process and multitask and so, yeah. you know, yeah. there, there were just little nuances like that that just reminded us why Trench was a good villain. And that that scene that he has with Anakin just kind of lets us that as good of a villain as Trench can be, Anakin has the potential to become an even better villain. We, yeah. we see that darkness start to rise up within him. And... You know, obviously, we're getting close to Revenge of the Sith. We're recognizing that it's going to start manifesting itself even more now. But I can't help but if he finally got to this place where he was like, all right, screw this. I need to get home. I'm going to end these Outer Rim sieges right here, right now. Tell me what I want to know, or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Like, am I, am I wrong in this? Am I wrong in thinking that? that, that like, his motives have now become selfish because he. He's so sick of the war and sick of being away from Padme that he's not going to let a spider stand between him and his wife. Like, that's kind of the vibe that I got from that sequence. And I like that we got this little flash of dark side Anakin here because it's getting really close. And Anakin saying proudly that I don't have such weaknesses. I'm not like the other Jedi. And he's really, you know, driving that wedge between him and... And the Jedi even further down and establishes himself as I. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll kill you in cold blood. I don't care as long as it gets the job done. And he doesn't care about the Jedi code, and that sets him up perfectly for what happens in Revenge of the Sith. Pretty much, it's got a lot of a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of preparing you for what is still yet to come, and. And, you know, I I really feel like if this is the kind of storytelling that they're going to integrate into the Clone Wars, 
it's going to really enhance the Revenge of the Sith experience. Because you see you see Tambor on Skeko, and then a few months later, he ends up on Utapau, and then he ends up on Mustafar. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. like what is what stuff transpires between now and then that leads to those things? What kind of decisions does Anakin make between now and then that helps lead to his fall? You know, there's just there's just a lot of really solid character development going on, particularly when he faces really tough decisions like the one he had with Trench. I kind of got a little bit of a Count Dooku vibe from Revenge of the Sith in there, where he's like, okay, he's a prisoner. Do I take him prisoner? Oh, nope, I'm going to kill him. And it's what's interesting when you think about this is, um, like, going back to Wat Tambor, he, you know, Anakin is interacting with Tambor here, and, and obviously Tambor knows who Anakin is, and then Anakin shows up on Mustafar as Vader. <laughs> You can imagine what Wat Tambor was thinking when, right. uh, welcome, Lord Vader, we've been expecting you. And it's, and it's uh, oh, it's what, the, 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 the hero of the Republic that's now their, uh, their greatest lord. Yeah. Well, and then you also can't help but think, you know, what, what, what must be going through Tambor's mind when, when all of this is transpiring? Because it's like, oh, he they they said he's a Sith, but he's taking out all of the Separatist leaders, much like a hero of the Republic would do. Is he a Sith or is he he's still a Jedi? There must have been a lot of confusion surrounding that because you're right. Now that he knows Anakin's face, now that he recognizes him, there's got to be some sort of trying to make sense of all of this as the massacre is transpiring. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, I, I, it really is. And I love that we keep coming back to Revenge of the Sith. I love that we keep mentioning it and talking about it because that just goes to show that this show is doing its job, that these four episodes are doing their job of letting us know how close we are to the end. That we're, you know, we're very close to episode three and we're very close to this all coming to a head. And that's what I think we all wanted from the show is not just an ending, but like, giving us that proper lead into that movie. We yeah. all knew it was coming. We knew from from the get-go, we knew that it was all leading up to this and the fact that we get to watch this happen in this show and, you know, have these episodes like for example the Padme scene or whatever completely change our perspective on that movie. I love when Star Wars does that. I love when Star Wars comes up with something whether it's a prequel or a sequel, comes up and gives you something in the story that says, "Hey, here's Here's this is going to make you rethink how you watch that thing you've been watching for 10, 20, 30 years. That's what I think is good Star Wars. Absolutely. We can agree on that. Oh, man. Well, there's still a lot to agree on, and there's still a lot to uh, talk about. But let's take a quick break and uh, hear from some of our friends and and patrons and partners and whatever else you want to call them and we'll uh, we'll discuss uh, a few specifics of this arc and then give our planet scores for this arc as we continue our discussion of the bad batch here on the ipc podcast don't go anywhere this is ipc
We have more than a dozen active battlefronts, and we are losing nearly every one. Let's take a small squad behind enemy lines. If we're going to find intel, it'll be there. What squad are we taking in? Clone Force 99. They call themselves the Bad Batch. These guys are clones? The cavalry has arrived! The defective clones with desirable mutations. Let's get to work. Remember, this is a stealth mission. So much for stealth. I don't like the look of this. This is a trap. They don't stand a chance. We're going down! Let's finish what we started. here with the IPC podcast on channel1138.com and also through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and goodness knows what else. We send our RSS feed to a lot of different distribution platforms in hopes that more and more people tune in. So wherever you're listening from, thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you're interested in becoming a patron of the program, you can find us at patron.podbean.com. A big thank you to the people like Jake and Joey and Rachel and Dan and Parker and Carrie who have all given financially to this program to help keep us afloat. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. If you want to find out how to help keep us afloat, then you can do so by following that link or by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com and look at some of our previous episode reviews. There's hyperlinks to a whole bunch of that, including where to find our swag, how to be able to follow us on social media, and also how to become a patron. Nice. So, very good. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Toit. More Brooklyn Nine-Nine references, but uh, uh, kind of kind of lost on the, on the wrong audience, though. You guys need to watch the show so I can talk about it with somebody. Sorry. Damn it. I want to get you guys' opinion of yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, The Bad Batch, A Distant Echo, On the Wings of Kira, and Unfinished Business. We're going to we're going to get right to it and talk about favorite episode. Jake, did you have a favorite out of the four? You know, it's it was hard to choose, but I think I had to settle on on The Bad Batch just because it was the return to the Clone Wars and the introduction to The Bad Batch and just all the memories that that flooded in from you know even the first second that the the show was on with the 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 narrator and um i don't know it was just so great and i thought it was a great episode to boot so i'm gonna go with the bad batch all righty ben what about you man who i'm gonna have to go with the second episode on a, a distant echo is phenomenal episode i think one of the best episodes of the entire series and uh, like the padme episode to the interplay between bad batch and the inclusion of anakin and 
just so many things. And to top it all off, the, the amazing voice acting, the visuals, such a brilliant episode. I think among other brilliant episodes, I'm not saying that other episodes are bad at all, but uh, A Distant Echo is my favorite. Well, yeah, I think I'm with you there with A Distant Echo because as much as I loved the Bad Batch and the fight sequences that we got in the Bad I think we got some really great character development in it, and I've I've always been more of a of a person that's about the the writing and the storytelling and the character development. You can get action sequences in a lot of different places in a lot of different formats, but to to give you stuff that makes you talk about the movies, which is what we talked about with Unfinished Business and the Distant Echo, there are tie-ins from this arc to stuff that's happening in the live action movies and that conversation with Padme, the music that played the, the, uh, the little chase scene with the Kyrdex where Hunter used a grappling hook in order to, to catch up with um, the, 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 the meeting of the Poltex, the getting into the, the city of you, you get a little bit of everything. You see the accuracy from crosshair. You see some of the damage that record could, do you brazen adventurous nature of hunter you uh tech's ability to break into uh doors and rooms that he he's not supposed to be able to get into you've got the the character development with rex and crosshair kind of getting into to it for like there's a lot of really really good stuff in a distant echo plus it actually like officially confirms that it's not a deceased signal or a recurring but it is actually echoes live signal and the domino squad lives on anybody that has listened to this podcast anybody that knows me through social media or just general star wars discussions i love the episode rookies it's probably my favorite episode of all time and to know that the echo from that episode, the echo from uh, the Citadel, is the same echo that shows up in this episode, in this series. I'm just so glad that, you know, so many years later, a member of the Domino Squad is still around. And I, that that's one of the reasons why it, it's become... You know, it, I wouldn't say it's my favorite episode of of the of of the most recent couple of seasons, but it's probably my favorite episode of the arc. But yeah. it's so hard to choose because the finale of Unfinished Business practically made me cry. Man, I turned that into a meme for crying <laughs> out loud. That was like, great. Like I I turned it to where the 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 troopers are saluting because Echo joins the Bad Batch at the end of the of Unfinished Business. They all turn around and salute Rex as like a way of saying goodbye. Who knows if we're going to see Echo again? We probably aren't. And to see him get like a, a send off that is is proper and beautiful and respectful, it was just it was so fun to watch. So yeah, a distant Echo is is probably my favorite episode. But I've got favorite elements of every episode, honestly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna stop with my monologues. Um, who, who's your favorite member of the Bad Batch? I'm just gonna toss it out there. Does anybody have a favorite, like somebody that's Wrecker? Wrecker is the best. What makes him the best? He's funny and he's reminds me of Drax, 
and he's just, I mean, he can freaking lift, like, ten times his weight. Like, the dude's a badass. Jay? Yeah. I, I'm stuck between tech because of just his cool, you know, I, he's just, you know, really smart. He figures things out, and I, I loved the translating he did. That was really cool to me. Mm. Um, and Hunter. I, I loved Hunter. He was a uh, good leader, and he... He had that cool Rambo design, and um, I noticed this. I think his helmet was very similar to what we eventually get with the Stormtroopers. Like, you can see the design is getting closer to that, and I just thought that was a really cool element of his uh, his outfit. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really hard to choose between those two, but if I had to lean in one direction, it would probably be tech. That's awesome. fair. I, I did like his translation matrix that he had and and his attention to detail and being able to, to encode and decode things and his his care for Echo at the end of Unfinished Business. Where he's like, you have to unplug now. Like, he's really doing mm-hmm. everything he can to try and take care of his brother, and I thought that was cool. Um, but I, I think part of part of my, like, attachment to different members – uh, of the Bad Batch are based on which ones I relate to. And if I was going to be a member of the Bad Batch, I would probably be Crosshair. Mm. Like, that that's just how I see myself. I don't see myself as a Hunter type. I definitely don't see myself as a Wrecker type. I could kind of see myself as a Tech type if I was genetically enhanced. But I, I like the accuracy that he's got from a distance. I like that he uses his sniper rifle in close combat situations, too. I, I like what a part of a team that he is, but also how he has his own independent thought, like the fight that he has with Rex. And I like that particular move that he did at the very end of Unfinished Business, where he lays down a whole bunch of basically uh, laser mirrors and he just that was really one cool. time and it bounces up and down the whole corridor taking that was a awesome. bunch of different droids all at once like that move and then I think there was a move in a distant echo or at the beginning of the wings of Kiradax it might have been the beginning of the wings of Kiradax where he's basically sliding on his knees and like pointing his sniper blaster upwards and just like taking out different droids as he's like sliding across the floor on his knees yes like, the dude's got some flair to himself, but he's also got a lot of accuracy and he's got no fear. So I, I think Crosshair is probably my guy. Yeah, nice. I hear you there. Yeah, that's um, cool. We, we all had different episodes and different favorite members of the Bat Batch. <laughs> that's cool. That's really well, cool. Well, Ben, you picked a Disson Echo as well, didn't you? Oh, did you? I'm uh, sorry. Yes, yeah, I did. But, okay, I, I will say, though, if you take out Mace Windu's monologue, then my favorite might be unfinished business, but because that piece of turd is in there, I can't pick. <laughs> oh God, don't get him started on that again. Oh God. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna okay. bring it up as much as possible. <laughs> bring it up, bring it up the next time we do one of these discussions. It'd be like, so Zach, was there a monologue in there that you did like this time? <laughs> Who knows? So I, I got a question for you guys. I don't know if either of you have, have seen this recently, but this will be our, our last question before we go into final thoughts and planet scores. Um, how recently have you guys seen the unfinished story reel versions? Like I, I took to the internet a couple of years ago and, and saw them through there, but I didn't watch them 
like in conjunction with the new stuff. But how would you compare the story reels that you might have seen at Celebration or seen on the internet to the final product that we get on Disney Plus? So yeah, the uh, the story reels. I've haven't had a chance to detail them and watch them as much as I'd like, but it's been fascinating to kind of go back and look at those because there's been a, there's a lot that's the same. Like the mm-hmm. the very first episode, it's pretty much verbatim what it is, aside from a few shots and a few different things. Um, in the first episode, actually, the whole barracks scene where you have uh, Cody and Rex have this little chat about, um, you know, Rex admitting that he thinks Echo's alive is all new stuff. That That's a whole new scene. Yes. And, of course, the, the Anakin and Padme scene is all new. And there's a few other th- scenes here and there that are that are brand new. But it's largely the same thing. They did take a few things out, like there's the, the uh, whatever the, not the defoliator, but the, the ball thing that, that zaps everyone. They actually, there's actually a scene in uh, the second episode where they test it out on one of the villagers, and they turn him to goo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of crazy, kind of weird. I get why they pulled it out, um, mm-hmm. but there's a few different things here and there that are, you know, interesting that they think. But largely, it's the same. Which I, you know, I think, I think largely they, if nothing else, they improved the episodes. I think, but but do you remember much about the uh, the 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 story reels, Jake? Well, I haven't I I haven't revisited them since we saw them five years ago, so I don't really remember a whole lot. I just remember you know drawings of the the Bad Batch and the voiceover and stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, I I think I just remember the overall tone and that seemed to match. But as far as the story points and things i can't really remember how similar they were but i will say it was fun watching the the uh animatics and the storyboards at star wars celebration with so many fans you know and not knowing if we were going to actually get this and that was an experience all on its own that can't really be duplicated and this was another great experience but uh, you're not you're not with the fans, but you are kind of watching it with the fans as well. Cause everybody's kind of been waiting for this for a long time and to finally see everything as it should be fully animated and stuff is a completely different experience. So um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed both for different reasons. Yeah. And I was surprised at how much I'd forgotten from these episodes. Like, like you, I was with you when we first saw the bad batch arc back in at celebration. And I remembered part of it. I remembered, on the wings of Kirdax, obviously, because that's literally the, what happens in the episode. <laughs> so that yeah. was easy to remember. I remember the pacing. I remember them discovering Echo, but a lot of unfinished business I'd forgotten, and a lot of the first episode I'd forgotten. So, you know, it was largely a new experience because I avoided them pretty much almost exclusively mm-hmm. once they announced that. The, you know the Clone Wars was coming back, and we had that first trailer with the Bad Batch in it, and that was the confirmation that Bad Batch was coming back. Um, so that was something like, okay, I'm swearing off these. I'm not watching that. I want to make a new experience, and it was a new experience for me. Yeah, yep. Yeah, sure. I, I was I was pretty far removed from it. Um, I just I found the episodes online, I think, and watched them on my phone. Like I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to do too much to get too involved because I didn't want to get too attached to it. That was my problem 
was I didn't want to look at this and be like, oh, I wish that this would become real. Oh, I wish that this actually happened. And then be like, yeah, that is never going to happen. Well, guess what, fool? It happened. Um, but I, I vaguely recall the, the Bad Batch arc just because of the echo factor. And I vaguely recall the Utapau arc um, just because it was talking about uh, kyber crystals. And so there mm-hmm. were... There were some elements that that I did um, that I did remember. The conversation between Obi Wan and Anakin in the Utapau arc was one that I really remember. Um, it was it was a really great heart to heart that that I felt like needed to happen, and it was it was cool to see. Yeah. Um, but the I think the things that I remember the most was the 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 fight in the gorge where the where the Bad Batch is working together as a unit, and then the escaping on the Kiridex where the droids start flying after them like that that wasn't a big reveal to me during this arc because i remember that happening in the in the story reel version but it was still really cool to see that final product because watching stuff just kind of gliding across the screen and it looks like sketches is one thing seeing the final product gliding through the air is something totally different yeah yeah it's it's and the story reels like they did a pretty good job of like getting the point across in regards to like what's going on, but it's really shaky in places, and it's really hard to enjoy. Like you know, and and it also back when we were watching them is like, oh god, why couldn't this be animated? <laughs> you know, why couldn't yep. this be fully done? And now you're like, well, now it is. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's much easier to watch them now, knowing that you can just watch the you know, the real versions for real now. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it, you're right guys. It was, it was, a, it was a fun experience, but it's, it's definitely a, a different type of fun to actually see the, the final, the final product. So I'm looking forward to the other arcs as well, but this was, this was a pretty fun one to watch and an, a really enjoyable one to talk about. But I, I think it's pretty much about time for our final thoughts on our planet scores, isn't it? I suppose it is that time. It's that time. It's that time of year. No? Christmas vacation, anybody? Yeah, no. I get it. I get it. It's March, man. I, yeah, I had but... a Christmas song stuck in my head earlier today. I'm trying to forget it, but now I have better it back in my head. You better not cry. It was that Stevie, it was that Stevie Wonder song, which is a good song, but no, nah, not in March. <laughs> Man, I'm losing track of of what day it is and what uh, what month it is because this Corona thing's pretty much canceling all my favorite stuff. I like, I would be totally fine with just going all the way to Christmas and just pretending it's December so we can get this stupid year behind us. Or just yeah, or um, just hit the reset button. Just start 2020 over again. You know, I'm I, I'm all for it. Like. Like get rid of Corona, bring Kobe back, and you know do all those other things that are you know physically impossible, but uh, we can always wish and hope for it. I heard about this dude. Um, he posted on Twitter that his boss took an eight-week sabbatical in early January and is coming back on Monday. <laughs> and this sabbatical was like one of those internet-free zones in a cabin in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Oh no! Like the dude's been gone since before Kobe passed away. Oh, no. he has so no idea. Everything that's transpired since then is gonna hit him like a ton of bricks on Monday morning. 
Jeez. He has no idea about, you know, sporting events being canceled, about uh, cities declaring states of emergency and gatherings of 250 or more being banned. No idea about Kobe. No idea about, you know, how many people have died or the lockdown in uh, in Italy, you know, the travel bans in Italy. Like, he has no clue. And this guy's going to be coming into it. It's like it's like that meme about you've been in a coma for two months. Oh boy. I can't wait to see what I can't, I can't wait to see what Kobe's going to do next or something like that. You know, it's like, Oh man, I'm really, really nervous for that guy. I don't know if it's going to take it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. 2020 has been, uh, sucky. It's been a, one of the worst years. I guess, I guess I guess one of the bright spots though has been the bad batch arc. So let's give our, our final thoughts on our overall planet scores for it. Jake, you're returning, so you're about as new as anybody on the program could be. So you'll go first. Okay. Um final thoughts, just really entertaining arc, really uh great return to the show. Uh very welcoming, very exciting, very um you know, full of potential and I think it delivered. So um I mean, do I think it's the best arc of the entire series? Not necessarily. Do I think it's a really strong one that deserves to be up there amongst, say, you know, the top 10 arcs? I think so, for sure. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a solid, like, 8 point, let's say 8.8. Oh, you're, you're, you're deviating from the half point structure. Okay, I see how it is. Oh, sorry. Are we doing half points? Nah, I, I'm, I'm screwing with you, man. Oh, oh okay, okay. He's been away Jeez, too man. long. Don't do this to him. <laughs> I mean, I well, would have believed I, you. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be due for that ribbing when I, when I come back because baseball season's about to ramp up, and so uh, there might be fewer appearances by yours truly once uh, baseball season gets into high gear. So he's whenever just, I come back, don't, don't listen to him. He's just trying to get out before, before we get back to Superman four. Uh, okay. <laughs> just trying to avoid that. It. Hmm. Maybe maybe we record our Clone Wars episode for the next arc on like a like a Tuesday or a Saturday or something, just so that I can be in on it. <laughs> I am absolutely uh, down for that. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, I I'll, I'll go ahead and go just to kind of mix things up. Yeah. Um, I I for one, like I mentioned earlier, have always been a big fan of the Domino Squad, and I practically teared up when Echo was believed to be dead, uh, like nine years ago. Like I went through my time hop, and I actually saw that I changed my profile picture to one of Arc Trooper Echo, probably like eight or nine years ago. Wow! Because I was like that distraught over losing him, and then I got distraught all over again when Fives died in the Lost Missions, and so to have him back is like a huge relief for me. I love the Domino Squad. I've always believed in, you know, their mission and their place in the war and the purpose that they serve. And to know that not only is Echo back, but he's back and he's got a brotherhood that is like welcoming him with open arms. I love that about this story. And I loved the action from the Bad Batch. I love the character development in A Distant Echo. Um, there, there were just a lot of really, really good things about this. I'm not crazy about certain elements. Uh, I'm not crazy about the pacing of certain parts, and I'm not crazy that one of the episodes is only 21 minutes long. 
Like, there are still some things that I would find to nitpick about it, but overall, it's got a really high rewatchability factor. I would definitely watch this arc again, and and probably up there in the top ten, like you said, Jake. Mm. Um, definitely, definitely not perfect though. Definitely not like my favorite arc of all time, or probably not even a top five arc of all time, but maybe like a six spot or something. Who knows? Yeah, sure. But uh, uh, I'm gonna give it a eight point five because I'm structured like that and i'm gonna go in the half point structure format damn it (laughs) (laughs) okay for me um you know this is tough because you know i am i am you know obviously my opinion is colored by just the fact that hey the clone wars is freaking back guys like this is a huge deal and i am so excited that you know i want to give this a a 10 out of 10 right off the bat um but i can honestly say you know i think i had a few issues here and there um i didn't really talk about it much when we got to it but uh unfinished business i felt like was a bit felt a bit rushed i think some of the writing was a bit eh, eh, eh. i i love the mace windu thing it's the best scene in all of star wars um <laughs> in all of cinema um this isn't even a movie yeah, but it's 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 peak cinema um i don't care what anybody says but uh you know there's a, there's a few things here and there that kind of bugged me um the the whole fading in and out with the the newsreel at the beginning still bothers me for some reason <laughs> don't i don't like that but uh i'm still i'm glad to have this back i think overall if i'm just looking at this as a movie i really really enjoy this i'm not sure how it stacks up to other arcs obviously being the new one i'm i can't really judge it fairly i up against stuff i've been watching for literally 10 years now but uh, i'm right. sure it ranks pretty high and you know i'm looking forward to rewatching this as one big long arc and uh you know it's i think it plays really well and just the characters are great i love the focus on rex i love that echoes back i love the bad batch you know i'm bummed that we may not get more of them in this show i don't think they're gonna be showing up later in the season i hope so but i don't think so watch them show up on mandalore they it could happen it really could happen i would flip the freaking out um but uh yeah, still, I, I'm I'm overjoyed with the characters. I hope one day we can, you know, I, I'm saying give the Bad Batch their own animated, you know, spinoff series if they want or a live action or whatever. Do do something else with them, especially now that Echo is officially part of that crew. That would be amazing. But just taking these four episodes as a conclusion, a great final clone-centric arc, a conclusion for Echo, a conclusion for Domino Squad... And a partial conclusion for, you know, or at least the beginning of a conclusion for Rex's story. Um, I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to agree with you, Zach. An 8.5 I feel like is a really solid score. That I think, you know, this has flaws. It's not perfect, but at the same time, it's a heck of a lot of fun. And it was a really, really fantastic arc overall. Man, you guys are agreeing on everything tonight. You guys are agreeing on ep- favorite episode, score. <sighs> <laughs> we don't Every... we don't agree on Mace Windu, and I don't think we ever will. That's true. <laughs> yep. That's but still a lot is. of fun. Just the way it is. So, I don't know if we're able to really pull a whole lot of something that's this recent, unless we go back to something in the, in the first episode with the Bad Batch or something like that. But... I was considering going a little further back than that, even. What do you guys think? I'm game for anything. 
You know, we, we don't, so, we don't, we haven't talked about Clone Wars in a long time and we don't feature a lot of quotes from it. Yeah. So my train of thought was more or less looking at the, the beginning of Echo and Rex's relationship and what led to him being so dedicated to getting him back in the first place. And that actually goes all the way back to season one, episode five rookies. You know, um, oh yeah. Heavy makes the big sacrifice. Fives and Echo are the only two rookies that escape from that. With um, Cody and Rex, they get special medals at the end of the episode as like a thanks for their uh, dedication to the Republic. And um, Echo chimes up after they get congratulated, and he's like, "You know, we actually, we actually didn't win." And so then he and Rex kind of have a little bit of a moment right towards the very end of the episode. And it's, it's pretty touching and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. And I think it's cool to listen to. And I thought maybe we could, you know, use the start of their relationship to close out the end of their story, if you will, the end of their uh, story that we're going to see told here in the Clone Wars and use that potentially as the quote of the night. Yeah. I, that, yeah, I'm game. Well, um, I'm going to I'm going to shut up then and just turn it over to the audio wizard then as we go way, way, way back to the very first season, one of the very first episodes to give you guys tonight's quote of the night. On behalf of the Republic, we thank you for your valiant service and we honor your comrade's sacrifice. Your new unit is lucky to have you. I'd be proud to fight beside you anytime, anywhere. Congratulations. You're not shinies anymore. With all due respect, sir, we failed our mission. We don't deserve this honor. No. If it weren't for you, the Republic wouldn't have learned of the Separatist invasion until it was too late. You showed me something today. You're exactly the kind of men I need in the 501st. Sir! Yes, sir! You know, as they say, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Mm. Oh, so true, my friend. So, so true. You know, something I just noticed, and I, I know you guys couldn't see it, you were listening to it, but I actually watched it, and the visor, There's Echo is wearing a visor, well, it's pulled down like infrared visors on his helmet the red mm -hmm. things it mirrors it has a little slit in it of course where you see out it looks a lot like what he has for his new helmet in the Bad Batch it has oh, the same little slit of a viewport out of his normal helmet I don't know if that was intentional or just something I just randomly I was curious of. about that because I've never seen a design like that on a helmet before that's crazy. I don't think that was in the original episode either. I think that's a new element that they added in. Like, how did they even come up with a customized helmet for him or something like that? And why did they choose that particular design? Like, I'm curious what the reasoning is behind the way that it looks. But I guess some things are better left unsolved. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's amazing that Echo's journey has, you know, he started out, you know, with the uh 
the, the Domino Squad and was one of the last survivors. Um, seemingly died, then Fives died, and now he's back. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll see his story continue in Bad Batch at some point because there what there is that uh, those f- that four episode arc I think where the Bad Batch was going to go to Kashyyyk, and they were going to be working with the Wookies and Tarful and Chewie, I think. And so I hope they mm. put that in, that that story in a comic or something. Well, man, I am of the mindset that if this is as well-received as I believe it is being received, that this whole pitch of the final season may end up getting revised, and maybe this ends up becoming a revival for the show. Maybe, or at the very least, as I said, spin-off series. Do something for with Bad Batch. Do something else, and, you know, you could... You could easily turn this into another show or something like Clone Wars that takes the style of animation, the style of storytelling, and just continues it on. Um, because there's so much potential here. And I can't imagine with the, the success of this show and the success of Season 7 and how well it's been received that Disney won't want to continue it some way. Either have more Clone Wars or have another show like Clone Wars continue on and uh, you know, keep producing stuff for Disney Plus and keep just Dave Filoni busy. Yeah. I mean, the man's busy enough. They just finished shooting Mando season two. Right, but you know, he he he's got he's got downtime, and he's not allowed to have downtime. You know, whenever he gets <laughs> done with that, he goes goes into his more Clone Wars. See, downtime is what creates stuff like Rebels. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Not take it a little too far there. <laughs> Perhaps not. Perhaps not. I don't know. I'm sure the Rebels fans are mad at us now. I mean, let them. Let them come. I mean, it's not a bad show, but I felt like their best episodes were the ones that were centered around Clone Wars nostalgia. You're not Mm -hmm. wrong. You're not wrong. They're they're some of my favorite episodes, even though I I do really like Rebels in parts, some of it not so much. But uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, guys, I think we've only got one more thing to talk about this evening before we call it a night, don't we? Perhaps so. I think uh, we can't really end the show without it. Well, then let's go ahead and get into this. Ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags. There have been a lot of people that were listening live tonight. Thank you for everybody that stayed up late with us, especially you, Jake. Being out on the East Coast, you're up later than any of us. Yeah, uh, you do it. But uh, time to get out your hashtags, folks, and put them in the chat if you're listening live. Put them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and anything else that carries a hashtag. It's time for another round of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue, 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 watch. There you go. Okay, so this one's going to be pretty straightforward because this is, this is something that has recently become a pet peeve of mine. And I don't know if it should be a pet peeve. So I, I may need you guys to, like, get me off of my high horse, potentially, depending on how this conversation goes. This is going to be therapy for Zach. 
I mean, you already have been, but that's off the record. Um, <laughs> I I recently attended a a sporting event, and uh, as a pregame type of situation we went to this venue right across the street that had a whole bunch of different um mom and pop type of restaurants built into the venue i don't even know how to describe it it's not like a sports bar it's not like a a sports restaurant it's like this big big place that has like several smaller restaurants and a big ass bar right in the middle of it so like I don't even I don't even know how to describe it, but one of the subsets that they've got was a barbecue restaurant, mm-hmm. and I was like, hell yeah, I'll have some barbecue. That's probably one of the most Texas things you can do. And I even got burnt ends, which were absolutely amazing. Oh. I love burnt ends, but my problem was when I went to get the accessories, things like pickles and onions and sauce and stuff like that. It was all on a little itty-bitty end table, which made me feel like it was kind of an afterthought. And the sauce was in, like, a gallon-sized pump bottle, and it looked like it had been sitting out all day. Hmm. And it kind of tasted that way, too. It It was cold, and it was kind of sour, and... I couldn't tell if there was like a mild from a spicy or anything like that. It just looked like one generic sauce that came out of a a glorified soap dispenser that you pumped into a paper cup and dipped your meat in it. And it didn't really have a whole lot of flavor. Its primary flavor was chili, like physically cold. Mm. And I, I just, I didn't know what to make of it. And I still don't know what to make of it because most other places that I've been to, it's at least room temperature, or most of them, it's like kept warm for you when you get it. But I don't know if that's just a thing that some barbecue restaurants do, or is this place like an anomaly? But like room temperature slash cold barbecue sauce, should that even be legal? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say no. I've. I've never, I've never heard of sauce. I've never really had like cold barbecue sauce. Like that's something that, you know, normally speaking, it's at least room temperature. Um, yeah. You know, I've never really had warm barbecue sauce. That's that's interesting too. Sounds good, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's weird to keep it. I don't know how they kept keep it chilled when it's just sitting out, but. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I've never really considered the temperature of barbecue sauce. Now you got me thinking, dude. Warm sauce is like where it's at for me. There are some places around here, like uh, Spring Creek and Dickies and uh, Coulter's and David's. Like I know a lot of places that they have like these these almost like barbecue sauce crockpots almost that just keep the sauce simmering for you and it's got like a lid with like a tiny little slat in it and the ladle fits in the slat to kind of close the gap so when you pull the no, ladle, that. you get the ladle of it and you just like drizzle the sauce over your meat and it's warm and it matches the temperature of the meat that you just got if not warmer sometimes and 
warm sauce to me is where it's at. But this was like this this end table for another thing was right next to like a big open door, and it was like fifties and breezy outside. So the room temperature wasn't even like a warm room temperature; like it was a cooler, almost refrigerated room temperature, and it was it was just not a pleasant experience. And uh, it, it just, it kind of bummed me out that when I was dipping it, I was like, yeah, there's a little bit of flavor here, but for the most part, it just made my meat even colder than it was already becoming. Yeah. I mean, in barbecue sauce, I mean, that's kind of important, kind of, you know, kind of a big part of the just whole process, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of what makes it barbecue. So like, you know, you gotta, gotta take care of the, that part of it. Yeah. Jake, have you ever had at least room temperature sauce before? You know, chill you it. Like, what do you do with your sauce? Now that I think about it, I, I feel like it's usually, for me, it's usually either a room temperature or I honestly, it's just been in the fridge. Like, one of my favorite barbecue sauces is Sweet Baby Ray's, and that's usually in the fridge. And I, I I think I'm more used to cold barbecue sauce than I am anything else, so I'm gonna say that. I don't know. I I I think it's really tasty, but to be honest, I don't have a particular preference. Like I don't particularly dislike one over the other. I just I I enjoy it at any temperature. Hmm. I guess I'm just of the mindset that there there's like a certain. Like, I guess that there's a time and a place for each one of them, but, like, if I'm at a if I'm at a cookout or something and it's, like, fresh off of the grill or fresh out of the smoker or something like that, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want something that just came out of the fridge kind of becoming, like, a two-tone look for my meat. Like, I've got warm meat and cold sauce, like those, those counteracting each other just sounds like it would it would provide a different experience in my mouth yeah i feel like i yeah mixing especially in a restaurant setting i think mixing cold sauce with hot food maybe not the best combination i think you know you kind of i think room temperature is or or either warm is a good mix in that you know if if you if you like it cold that's fine um but I don't know. And, you know, ultimately, usually sauce does not need to be refrigerated. It can sit out at room temperature um, unless it's like specially made or whatever. So, you know, it's like stuff you buy at the grocery store. That's not refrigerated. It's just out, you know, so you don't need to necessarily, you know, refrigerate it to keep it good. So uh, don't know where the whole cold thing comes from, but uh, I'm not sure. Well, I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on it and see if I was just overreacting or something, but I just, there was just something about paying like almost 30 bucks for my meal and then getting cold sauce. It just kind of rubbed me. Yeah. Because like the the meat itself was like, I think $13 for a half pound or three quarter pound or something like that. And then each side was like another 250 to three bucks. And then... Uh, the drink was like another two bucks, so it just kept piling up, you know. And right. when all that was said and done, like I was looking forward to having complimentary condiments to kind of accessorize it. Got some pickles, got some onions, got some sauce, and then the sauce just was kind of subpar. And I feel like it partially had to do with the temperature. So I don't know. I don't know. I I'll 
I think I prefer mine warm. Like if I'm doing like a barbecue chicken in the crock pot or something, I'm putting the sauce in with the chicken so that they all get to the same temperature. But I don't know. I'm I'm personally not a fan of cold, but I just I don't know if it, if it necessarily makes it wrong or just different. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, fellas, any more thoughts before we call it a night tonight? I I think we did it. I think we did all of this, and uh, it was great talking Clone Wars, great talking a little barbecue, and I'm looking forward to doing it again very soon because we got eight more episodes to discuss before we can finally say goodbye permanently to the Clone Wars. <laughs> Don't I hope say goodbye. Not, I hope it's not permanently. Hoping to goodness it's permanently, but going to embrace it for every episode that it is. And if you want an episode-by-episode discussion, be sure to go check out The Clone Wars Strikes Back. We'll be doing uh, discussions based on the entire arc. So once a new arc is completed, you can expect another episode of IPC. As Ben mentioned beforehand, Superman 4 looms on the horizon, as does another Top 5 episode, and so much more here on the IPC Podcast. Go check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. You can find us personally on our various social media platforms at jake damon at ben hart with no e and at zach underscore dfw you can listen to previous episodes on apple podcasts google podcasts and of course our partners over at starwarsunderworld.com the best place to find our entire library though is our host site which is ipcpodcast.podbean.com guys it was fun i'm looking forward to having more fun with you guys in the not too dis and uh May the force be with y'all. May the force be with you. And also with you. I was waiting for the Catholic answer. Thank you so much for this. I'm I'm half Catholic, so yeah. I, I... <laughs> uh, I think that's true for like half of the of the Western continent. But anyways, um, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Episode 276 is now officially in the books for Jake Damon and Ben Hart. I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in again next time, but until that time comes around, we're going to leave you with this final thought. Trust placed in another is trust earned. And we trust that you'll tune in to another episode of IPC, but until then, good night, everyone. Wash your damn hands, people. (laughs) And don't touch your face. I'm touching it right now.